This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's a blessing to be able to share with you this evening. Last weekend we weren't here. Um, I was with Abigail on the Papa Camp with her, with her school. It was great fun on the Friday evening. With, we had the dads and the kids, the uh, grade ones to threes, camping together. And then Anna and the uh, younger ones joined us. For, and we stayed over the Saturday night as well, so that was great fun. So uh, it was actually a wonderful opportunity. The school asked me to do a bit of an opening for the camp on the Friday afternoon. And there were great storm clouds looming and the Lord was gracious that I was able to finish what I wanted to say. And I th- at first I thought the, the, they just meant maybe a three-minute, you know, maybe a, a scripture and a prayer. And then the head teacher said, no, you must, you must really go for it. You've got 15 minutes. I said, okay, no problem. I can, I can do the gospel in 15 minutes. Uh, but yeah, well, it was really a great opportunity and a great blessing. Uh, it's always interesting to see how people to relate to you, but differently, though, because we've all divided up into teams, the dads and the kids, and the, and when that my team realized that they they got the domini in their team, they were like, oh, oh, you know, that's not so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we had a great time, and um, yeah, we had some great conversations. Um, actually, the one guy. I worked with him. He was also one of the coaches for the, for the Baliki rugby. And uh, he didn't know what I did for a, uh, as a, as a, for a living. And he, and he, was, saying, he was listening and he said, this, yuck, this guy speaks well. He could have been a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy said, yeah, no, he actually is it. <laughs> and he was quite surprised. But in any case, so no, that was great. Um, and the, on the Saturday morning, we had this warrior race thing. So uh, Abig- Abigail is actually quite competitive, so she was she was just very keen to you know to be in the front. So we so we had to be very fast and everything. So we were running and doing obstacles and carrying sandbags and swimming and stuff. And in any case, lots of fun. At one point, halfway through, about after I just carried her over a bunch of thorns because we were both barefoot. You know, there was this. Thing I had to carry, I had to pull a tire, and she had to sit on it, and I had to pull it with the rope thingy. Actually, quite a distance. It felt very far. But anyway, so by that time I was actually quite tired already. She was just saying, "Faster, faster, <laughs> faster!" I was like, "Okay, that's nice." She's just sitting there, lying back, relaxing, and, and uh, clearly the more competitive one between the two of us. But uh, it was great, great fun. Um, yeah, but it's just a blessing to spend time with her. Um, I think as parents, we, we sometimes underestimate the power of, of taking one of the children aside, you know, and really making time to spend with them on their own. So what a blessing. I'm thankful for that time. Yeah, so a uh, great blessing to share the word. Actually, let's just briefly pray as we get into the word. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible privilege to be able to come and dig into your word. We take, we just declare now that we, we consecrate ourselves to you, Lord. We consecrate this time to you. We lay aside all worries and anxieties, anything that may consume our minds and our thoughts. And we say, Lord, we trust you with these things. We 
choose to be completely present here to what you want to do in us and through us this evening. Lord, we're not here for any man's opinion, Lord. We are here and we have a hunger and a desire to meet with you, Lord, and to be more like you, Lord, and to be transformed into the image of your Son. So if you ask Holy Spirit that you would come and do that in us this, this evening, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, last week, Pastor Philip shared a great uh, encouraging message around the the gospel. And I want to really encourage you, because I was away at the camp, I I went to uh, listen to it after, and it was a great blessing. I want to encourage you to do the same. You can either download the audio or you can look at it on Facebook, which is also quite easy to do, although you can't make it faster on Facebook. I learned this from Philip to be able to play stuff at like one and a half speed, you know, and you can still get the blessing in less time. But in any case, um, it, so please do that. And, um, I want us to look at a few uh, different aspects around the gospel, and um, I want us to look at uh, this first uh, scripture here from First Corinthians, from chapter two, verse verse one. And I, brethren, <clears throat> this is Paul, Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth. And he said, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Let's just pause there. So this guy that's writing this is, is one of the most eloquent, one of the most well-trained and well-educated guys of all the writers of the New Testament. Okay, so let's just take the, the context there. I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then just also the next one, First Corinthians, the first chapter, just the chapter before that. I just want to read this one out of the Amplified. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they rejected. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. He makes this incredibly powerful distinction. And we see this in, through many of the writings of Paul and different parts of the New Testament. We see this distinction being made between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. The ways of man, the ways of God. In this case, he speaks about the wisdom of God, the, the wisdom of man and the power of God. And he talks about faith being based on the wisdom of man or on the power of God. He makes this distinction. And we see this theme repeat itself a couple of times um, in the New Testament. And, and one wants to ask the question, but is it, why is he making such a fuss about this? Why is it, is it such a crucial thing? Why does he want to distinguish so clearly? Um, I heard somebody ask, surely if, and, uh, as, as long as our faith is in the right place, as long as our faith is in Christ, as long as the object of our faith is Jesus, 
maybe the way we get there or what we base it on, or maybe that's not as important. You know, so even if there's a bit of human wisdom in there, but as long as we all come to a place where our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, whether it's based on human wisdom or based on the power of God, or, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. And uh, it's interesting how Paul makes, goes out of his way to say, yes, it is. Yes, it does matter. Yes, it is important for us to make a distinction. It's important for us to see what the difference is when we base our faith on the wisdom of man or whether we base it on the power of God. And, um, <clears throat> and he, in, his, in the first scripture that we read, he, he explains to them, he says, I've gone through these lengths and I've specifically come to you in a specific way because I cannot afford for you to base your faith on anything but the power of God. I don't want your faith to be based on my clever words or, or good, eloquent speech or nice way of communicating or whatever it is. I don't want any of that to interfere. I want you to base your faith and I want you to receive a revelation. I want you to have faith based on the power of God, not on anything else. And unfortunately, we may have seen this, but... You know, one comes across messages that are supposed to be gospel messages. One comes across preachers that are bringing a message that is supposed to be the gospel, but it ends up being more of a self-help, ten steps, good advice, motivational type of message. Have you heard those? And it challenges me because it... I think this is what he's talking about. He's saying, guys, be careful that you are relying on the wisdom of man. And yes, you're having faith, but there's a lot of wisdom of man in there and very little power of God in there. I think this is something that we need to look out for God against that. Are we living in a place where there's a lot of good ideas, a lot of good advice, a lot of great principles, but there's actually too much wisdom of man and too little power of God. Um, I want us to read a bit, a quote from, from John Piper where he ministers, just mentions a few things around this. It's a long one, so just stick with me. He writes, God has set himself against the wisdom of the world so that no one might boast before God. The clear implication is that at the root and core of what Paul calls the wisdom of men is pride. So this is where challenge comes in. So from all these verses then, he speaks about 1 Corinthians and 1 and 2 specifically and a bit of 3. So from all these verses then, I suggest this definition of the wisdom of the world. It is the use of the human mind to achieve and maintain a ground for boasting before God and man. Again, that's that rooted in the pride there. And then he goes on a little further. He says, there are two possible responses to the death of Christ for our sin. We can regard it as foolish, like foolishness, okay, and so maintain our self-sufficiency and pride, or we can regard it as wisdom and die with Christ. There is only one way that leads to life. And the challenge that I see here is that when we go in the direction of the wisdom of man and the wisdom of the world, it ends up being a very self-sufficient, self-serving 
kind of wisdom. Are you with me? Most of the time, it's, it's me, myself, and I gospel. It's the what can I achieve? What can I attain? And how can I exalt myself? You know, even, even though there's a, often a dynamic of faith and a dynamic of a desire of wanting to do the right thing, it, it ends up being this dynamic of I've, I've, I've done it. I've achieved it. I've made it. Um, that ground of boasting. And he says here, there's only one of these that can lead to life. The one when we regard the, the fact that, Jesus, that God sent his only son. If you think about this, I can understand that to many it sounds like foolishness. How can an all-powerful, almighty God, the creator of the universe, how can he send his son or come to die for man? That sounds like foolishness in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of if one has to rationalize the whole thing. So we can either regard it as foolishness or we can come to a place where we die with Christ and we realize we cannot attain it, we cannot earn it, we cannot work hard for it, we cannot achieve this, the bar or the, the mark. We cannot pay the price that needs to be paid. And I have a suspicion, and I've seen this in my own life, that many of us probably have start off in the place of salvation through, through faith in Christ, you know, by grace and faith in Him. In other words, salvation relying on the power of God, really connecting with Christ through that you know, Paul says that he's not ashamed of the power of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for whoever believes. So I think most of us, we have that, that born-again experience where we encounter the power of God, where, we, where our eyes are opened, where we are transformed. But my, what worries me is what happens after that. Is there a place where we kind of drift along a bit and then maybe drift off course a bit? to a place where we start to rely on the wisdom of man again. I remember when I, when I came to salvation many, many moons ago. <laughs> I was about 12, and uh, the Lord had been working in my heart for a while. But I was that guy who was trying to please everybody. I was working so hard, trying to please man. And on the surface, that was going quite well. I think man was pretty pleased, almost, except my sisters, not so pleased. They were able to give you a more uh, complete picture of, <laughs> of what was going on because they were the brunt of my not-so-godliness. And uh, but I was working really hard to please man. And in a similar way, I was trying to please God. I was trying to make sure that one day when I stand before him, that the scales will tip in the right direction really trying my best and this was such a weight on me I actually, I actually remember the moment where I responded to an altar call and I remember the moment when I, re I realized that no matter what my parents did I had to make a decision to put my faith in Christ and I had to choose to trust in what he had already done 
I could not attain it. I could not work hard for it. I could not earn it. And I actually remember as a 12-year-old boy that weight coming off me. The weight of sin. The weight of trying to so hard to be a good person. Trying so hard to please God. And now my life is completely transformed. I don't remember all the, I didn't know all the deep theological things. I didn't know exactly what happened to me. But that thing I knew that day that there was a peace in my heart that I'd never experienced before. And that weight had come off my shoulders. And I believe many of you I would have had a similar experience. And I, but what challenges me, and I, would, I believe God wants to stir in our hearts this evening, is coming from that place of being saved by the power of God. Do we find ourselves now in a place where there's, such, there's a stronger element of the wisdom of man? Are we relying, are we living a life full of the power of the gospel? Or is the dynamic of the wisdom of man? And I've, I've seen this in situations. Maybe you can relate to this, or maybe I'm the only one. But, uh, you know, when you're wrestling through something, or you're making a decision, or you're facing a bit of a challenging situation, um, and I get frustrated, and I, why is stuff not working out? Why is it not, you know, oh, it's kind of okay, but it's not great. And, it's, and then I realize there's no power here. It's just flesh. It's just me. It's just me trying to scheme, trying to figure stuff out, trying to make it work. Really, again, like trying my best to figure this out. And I realize there's this conviction that drops. This is just flesh. There's no power of God here. And I, what, I, what, I, what I feel the Lord is challenging with us is how often in our daily lives are we drifting towards relying on the wisdom of man instead of walking in the power of God, walking in the wisdom of God. Now, Philip last week mentioned how, how all-encompassing <clears throat> sorry, how all-encompassing the, the gospel is, how all-encompassing the, the victory of the cross is, how the, the victory of the cross and the work of the cross has purchased for us life in abundance in every imaginable sphere, any imaginable context. He has paid the price. He has bought us freedom. And He has paid for us to experience an abundance of life. But how often do we find ourselves in a place where we are happy to drift along with the wisdom of man and the wisdom of the world? Um, this morning, uh, Anton, one of our elders, shared a, um, shared a word, and he, he spoke about the, us pursuing the kingdom first. And he said in his business, it means praying first before planning. Praying first before executing stuff. And I think that's one of the absolute key Key, um, key things that we must that kind of show us where we're at in terms of this. And I found myself in that same space. You know, you um, get that idea and you run with it and you're picking up speed and then you're like, yeah, oh, this is amazing. And then you're like, wow, 
I should probably pray about this. Yeah. Lord, I'm, I know I'm already running. I'm picking up speed. This is looking great. But won't you please bless this plan? You know? <laughs> or, you know, you've know, got a group of guys and we've got a great idea. And we're planning something. You want to start off something. And then somewhere along the way, I said, Gosh, how, how, should we pray about this? Should we ask God to bless this plan? And I'm thinking, oh, you know, guys, I think we've got this upside down. But for me, that's one of the one of the things. Am I? How am I relating to life? How am I relating to those big decisions? How am I approaching the small decisions, but also the big ones? Am I asking God as an afterthought? Oh, Lord, won't you give us your wisdom, <laughs> bless this plan, or am I really? Seeking his face, am I really engaging with God before and asking him for his direction and his guidance and his plan? And, and I think the, the danger here is that we end up living a, a powerless life, a life that looks good on the surface, that we do the moves, we go through the motions, we we use the right words. We call it Christianese. Have you heard of that? And we have the lingo down. But somehow, the power of the gospel is missing from our lives. And actually, in, I don't have it on here, but in 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Beware of these people. He says, There are people, that will, there will be people that have a form of godliness. In other words, the, on the outside, everything looks amazing. But he says there's a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. There's a form of godliness, but there's no power. And this challenges me, guys, because I, and, and praise the Lord for children, because they help, <laughs> help me in this. I see how eager the kids, children are to apply scripture in their lives. And sometimes we make it so difficult, we make it so complicated. You know, the, um, this week Abigail had a, had a fall at the camp with a bike, bicycle, and she, she's not so good with pain and with blood and stuff like that, so it was quite a bit of drama. And uh, shame we're working through it. But um, So the other two, we were praying for Abigail, right? We were praying for her shoulder to be healed. So I said to David, okay, normally we put our hand on somebody's shoulder, but in this case, don't put your hand on her shoulder because that's where the pain is. So I said, yeah, yeah, no, you see, that's not a good plan. So he said, okay, well, this is how we pray. And I'm always, and Emily also wants to pray, obviously, also always wants to have a word in there. But I'm encouraged because between a three-year-old and a five-year-old, they are so eager to apply what we read in Scripture. Because we've just read that Christ heals the sick. So now we can do it. And I say, they don't find it complicated. And it challenges me because we make it complicated, don't we? We make it difficult. Um, but, the, but children have, a, have such an eagerness to, to live what they, what they experience through Scripture, what they read in Scripture. And this week also, uh, David's class, he's, he's five. They had, uh, they call it a, like a biblical meal. So that what they do is they dress up like a character from the Bible. And, uh, and then they have a meal 
Um, and it's interesting to see what the children choose to dress up as. So he says there were at least three ma- Marias in his class, which is great, you know. This is, and then a couple of shepherds, you know. And, but what, interest, what interested me about David, he said he wants to dress up like one of those guys that was telling people about Jesus. Okay, cool. That's, that sounds great. In other words, he, doesn't, he wasn't happy to be a shepherd or to even be Moses or Mary. or He wanted to be one of those guys. So then we talked about, okay, which of these guys, and then he ended up John. He wants to be like, he wants to be John. Not John the Baptist, John the, not John the bassist, but John the Apostle. Okay? He wanted to be John the Apostle. And then I said to him, did you know that John was... They boiled him in oil when they tried to kill him. And he said, really? You know, I said, yeah, they, they boiled him in oil and they couldn't kill him. And then they sent him off to an island. And he was like, wow, that's amazing. We didn't read this in the Bible. So I said, yeah, it's not in the Bible, but it's in church history. So I said, okay, cool. So we ended up telling his teacher all of these things. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they wanted to boil John in oil and everything. But um, what I was going to get to is that part of this meal situation is that obviously... When somebody in biblical times would host people at their house, they would wash their feet, right? Or their feet would be washed when they came in. So the teacher washes the feet of the children. Ah, how powerful is that? And, but what really blessed me is the teacher told us afterwards that when it was David's turn, he asked her, but teacher, who's going to wash your feet? Are you going to have a turn? And then he decided that's, that's going to be his job. He's going to wash his feet. Teachers, but um, so I was so blessed because that eagerness that I see in them to implement what they see in the scripture. And uh, you know, when, when, when Jesus says for us to be like children, I believe this is one of the big reasons because children make it simple, they see it in the Bible, they see it in the life of Jesus, and they are keen to do it. Are we, are we living in that power? Or are we drifting towards doing what, what seems wise to the world? Are we drifting towards reading about what does the financial times... Sorry, I'll just lock this. You know, what do the finance weekly say? What's the advice about my field of expertise, what is the current trend? Is that my go-to place? Do I go there first? Or do I first go to the feet of Jesus? You know, when I was studying engineering also many moons ago in the previous millennium, um, I remember coming across this thing called thermodynamics. And I must admit to you guys, that was one of the things that broke me. Okay, but hallelujah, <laughs> the Lord is, uh, is able to uh, raise the dead, amen? So uh, I remember wrestling with thermodynamics, and, and the Lord, one of the things that he had in my heart, he says, who do you think created these laws? And I had this revelation, hallelujah, Lord, you know thermodynamics, because you put all of this stuff together, I don't know why it has got to be this complicated, but... You put all of it together, and I really came to a place where I could really trust God for words of knowledge, words of wisdom, because He put all of this together, and He knows how this stuff works. 
And I want to challenge, maybe this is a word for somebody here this evening, that in your field of expertise, there's somebody that is a greater expert than you are because he put it all together. And even if it's not in the Bible, thermodynamics is not in the Bible, there might be a bit here or there, but he knows. Amen. So maybe you can trust him for, for wisdom for your situation. I don't know where this fits into the sermon. Maybe that's for free. But, uh, oh yes. So, is that, our, is that our first place? Is that our first port of call? Or do we tend to first rely on human wisdom? Do we first reach for the headache pills before we lay hands on the sick? Do we first... Uh, go to all the other links and do everything else. And then at the end of our tether, at the, when we don't know what, what to do, then we think, oh, we should probably pray. And again, I don't think it's any of you guys, but I've, I've experienced this in my life. Um, I, I had a word for somebody a, a, a few weeks ago, or some, and I, it just really encouraged me as well. And I think our God is of, of David and Goliath and, uh, and of David you know, arriving there on the battlefront and seeing what's going on and, you know, full of faith saying, you know what, this can't go on like this. I'm going to take this guy on. You know, having a conviction, having a word from God. And then we see something interesting. We see the wisdom of man kick in. Because Saul says, okay, great stuff. Don't know why you're crazy enough to want to do this, but this is what you should do. You should wear this stuff. You should put on this armor. You should have all this armor. You cannot go into battle without this stuff. This is the only way it can work, right? And it puts all this stuff on him. Listen, this is the least. You, sh- you should at least take some armor. <laughs> and it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It's too heavy. You can barely walk. And I reckon if, if David was operating in the wisdom of man, that story would have ended right there. Because this is not going to work. This can't work. But David was not operating in the wisdom of man. Amen? He was walking by faith, and he said, Listen, guys, thanks for your advice, but no thanks. I still have a conviction. Even though nothing makes sense in the, in the natural, even though normal the wisdom of man is not, you know, it's not making sense, it's not fitting together, Economy isn't lining, you know, everything, nothing's lining up, nothing's working out. All the circumstances are out of whack. There's nothing in favor of what I'm going to do now. I still have a word from God. I still have a conviction of what God has told me to do. And you know the rest of the story goes against Goliath. And I I felt that there's, there might be some here, maybe specifically uh, the situation where you are Responding to a word of God, and maybe this has happened once or twice where you receive a word or you have a conviction about something, but then there are others around you that are trying to impose the wisdom of man onto your situation. Trying to say, listen, this is a crazy idea. Maybe just do this and this. At least do this and this. At least have this and this in place. And then... They're imposing the wisdom of the world, and they're basically 
creating a place where you, you, you feel you can't go forward with what God has said. Amen. Maybe that's for somebody specific here this morning. And I feel, don't allow others to impose the wisdom of the world. Don't allow them to say, to dictate, you know what, this is never going to work unless X, Y, and Z. Stick to your conviction. Hang on to the word that God has given you. Amen. Do what, take what you have in your hand. David already saw the Lord's deliverance, the lion and the bear. He's already experienced that. He just took what he had in his hands. Amen. I trust that's for somebody here this evening. Don't allow anybody else to, to impose that worldly wisdom on your situation. Now, in terms of just a little bit of a different angle, we read about the, the foolishness, that the gospel is foolishness to the, for those that are, being, that are perishing, but it's the power of God for those that are being saved. And I just want to add to that, we read from Second Corinthians, just a little bit further on, verse chapter 4. And he writes from verse 3 here, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Again, it's, it's foolishness, it's veiled. Whose minds the God of this age, who is Satan, the God, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. What treasure is this? It's the treasure of the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of God. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power of God, uh, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And he, and he, he says, interesting here, he says the gospel is veiled. It's, it's impossible for those who are veiled to see. It's, and I remember, I remember that such a powerful thing in our lives. I was veiled for most, you know, as a boy, those years in church, doing all the Christian stuff, but veiled. Going under this heavy weight, unable to see God, unable to see Christ, unable to connect with Him, veiled. This is what he's talking about here, that those who are perishing, it's veiled. The God of this age has blinded them. That's what he, what he does. He doesn't want, us, want people to see. Because once we have seen, we cannot but run to him. Amen? Once we have been unveiled, once we realize that we need Christ, we want to run to him. And I want us to read a bit here. This is for me, it's always fascinating and interesting to see how, how Paul relates to his calling. And I want to encourage you, if you have a bit of time to do a study around this, go and read all the introductions to his letters. It's interesting, so fascinating how he introduces himself, what he says about himself. Some of it sounds arrogant. You know, he'd say an apostle of Jesus Christ called by God and then he 
But then he adds something like a bond servant, which is like, okay, oh, it's just important. Then he's nothing. You know, and it's, it's, so, it's so, actually so enlightening to, to see how he relates to this call that is on his life, how he relates to his call as an apostle, his call as the one who bear, the bears, the, you know, the bearer of the good news, the sent one. And then there's, there's a specific place here in uh, Acts chapter 26 where he's in front of the authorities and uh, he's actually about to be executed, but it's leading up to that. But he is give, basically telling his life story there in a public platform. And he's testifying and he's explaining his whole life story. It's a really, it's a really amazing portion. And he explains of how he, was how he was persecuting Christians, how he was persecuting believers, he was persecuting those who were following Christ, and how you know, the Lord slapped him off his horse. Or what is it? I don't know what it was. Was it a horse or a donkey? And okay, so let's read from verse 14. Now he's sharing his own story. And when we, had, we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Let's go on, verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. It says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And if you think about the whole context of what happened there, when the moment he was struck off his horse, was lying on the ground, he had saw this bright light and this voice speaking to him, he was blind. Do you remember that? He was blind for about three days or so. And it's interesting that he says, in that moment, God spoke to him. He said, I'm calling you to open the eyes of those that have been blinded. He says, so that they may come from darkness to light. Remember the, what we read before? He said that the, the, the God of this age, that Satan has blinded them, has veiled them. He says, I've called you to open their eyes. I've called you that they may come from darkness to light and from power of Satan to God. Guys, I believe that as we live in the power of the gospel, as we, do not, as we are not relying on the wisdom of man, this is absolutely core to our call as believers, that we are called to open, to see the eyes of the blind open, to see the veils lift. We are called to, to live in such a way that, that, that what people see helps to lift those veils, that God uses our lives to lift the veils. We can't do it. Yes, and we've just read here, he says here, this treasure we have in earthen vessels. Now, normally, uh, you know, if you think about a treasure, my children will tell you there's 
there must be a fancy treasure chest, right? There must be like a, probably a chest of gold or something because it's normally a fancy thing. But he says this treasure is in a, basically a clay pot, an earthen vessel. So guys, this is not a compliment. He's saying we are not that special. Okay. We are the clay pots. But what is special is the treasure that he has put inside of us. He's saying the power is not going to be of you and me, but the excellence of the power will be of God and not of us. Amen. So this treasure, we have an earthen vessels, in the vessels that are fallible, that are cracked, that are probably a bit broken, that are falling apart sometimes, that are not all together all the time, but that the power, the excellence of the power may be of God. That there will be no confusion. Amen. Again, no human wisdom. No power, no eloquent speech, no fancy words, no, you know, great eloquence and speeches and whatever, but the power of God, the excellence will be of Him and not of us. This is at the core of what He has called us to do as believers, to carry this treasure and to trust and to see veils lift, to see eyes open. The day we we went to this uh, Harvest Africa event at Loftus, and I I took I just felt God saying I must take Abigail and David. I think it would have been a stretch for Emily, but uh, we took Abigail and David. And um, on the way there, I was trying to explain to them what was going to happen. I said to them, "This is why we do church. This is as you know, we trusting for people that are going to hell." To meet with Jesus. And they understood that. And I said, the reason why we are going is to pray and trust God for many people to choose to follow Jesus. And many people do not go to hell anymore, but to follow Jesus and end up in eternity with us. And they understood that. They were excited about that. And I was challenged again because it's actually so simple. Amen. And I said to you guys, we're trusting for people to recognize that they are sinful and to the eyes be open that they can see that they need Jesus Christ. And they understood that. And we prayed together. They prayed and I prayed. And we prayed in the car on the way. And it was so precious, guys. It was so precious to see their faces when people started to respond to the gospel. When Ryan Bonke, we couldn't stay for the whole thing. At Reinhard Bonke made the altar call. People were streaming to the front. And I said to them, can you see what's happening? And every girl was excited and was saying, what? And she said to me, it felt like my heart was going to explode. When she, when she saw the hundreds of people, I don't know, they, I think the total at the end of the night was 3,000 about. She said, it felt like my heart was going to explode. And I saw and I was so blessed because I could see that God is stirring inside of them a, a desire to see the lost saved. Amen. And we, again, we were just looking at what we saw in Scripture. And we're saying, let's, let's trust God for many people to come from darkness to light. For many people's eyes to be opened. But are we making it too complicated? Are we relying on the wisdom of man? 
God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Don't make it complicated. Amen. I want us to spend some time praying this evening. Um, Just a few, few specific things. Love this button, eh? You don't want to hear me blow my nose up to into Facebook. All right. So um, let's stand this evening. There's a few things that I felt the Lord specifically in my heart in terms of us relying on the wisdom of man and. One of the areas is obviously decisions. How do we approach them? How do we go around making decisions? How do we relate to God in terms of the relationships that we enter into, in terms of our studies? I mentioned that. But finance is a big one, guys. The kingdom finances is different than the world, guys. It doesn't, doesn't add up. I can, t- I can keep you busy the whole evening of how... God would tell us to do stuff, and I would think, if I told this to my friends that are not saved, they would tell me I am completely mad. They would say to me, this is not all the fancy, clever guys that study all the finance stuff. They would say, God, yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> I mean, the, the one time I was trusting God for, um, what was it, money to service a car or something, it was before I was married, and... I felt the Lord, and I only had 200 rand, okay? It was going to cost me 2,000 rand. It was years ago, okay? There was a lot of money then, all right? So, and I felt the Lord said, you tithe in, in faith. This is not in the Bible, okay? I'm not saying we do this every time, but this is what I felt God saying. Tithe in faith. Give the 200 as if I've already blessed you with 2,000. I thought, okay, this, this sounds amazing. Um, but again, if I'd share that with anybody else, I'd say, listen, this is not a good principle. But sure as anything, I gave the last 200 rand that I had on my name. And I, I don't know, it was quite soon, maybe within a day or two, somebody blessed me with enough money to service the car and a bit to spare. God, God finances, kingdom finances are different. It's not like the world. I'm not saying everything in the world is bad, but first engage with the wisdom of God. And then in, out of the wisdom of God, apply principles. Amen? But first, engage with God. Similar thing with, like I said, your relationships, your work situation, your studies. Parenting is a big one. There's a lot of theories out there, a lot of plans, a lot of ideas. But I know I have to be on my knees before the living God because I tell you what, it's not easy. It's tough. But I know if I have the wisdom of God, I'm going to be all right as a dad. Amen? That's the only way. There's only one way that leads to life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Hallelujah, Father, we humble ourselves before you this evening. We thank you for your word. 
Our Father, we, we stand in awe of your goodness. We stand in awe of your love, your great grace, Lord. We cannot fathom your great love. We cannot fathom your great grace, Lord. Never in all of history has there ever been such a demonstration of love and never will there be as on the cross, Lord, where you gave your son. Lord, we, we cannot fathom it, Lord. This evening we thank you that you made a new and living way for us. We thank you that you made a way for us to come out of darkness into your glorious light. To come from a place of being veiled, from a place of being unable to see, blinded, to a place where you lift up the veils, where you open our eyes, we were able to see you, Lord Jesus. We were able to call on your name and be saved. Hallelujah, Lord. And we, we humbly come this evening and we acknowledge, Lord, that there are sometimes moments where we drift back to relying on the wisdom of man. We drift back to the default of going with what is popular opinion. We would drift back to going with the flow in terms of what seems wise to man. And in the name of Jesus, we come this evening and we say we repent, Lord. We repent of relying on the wisdom of man. We repent, Lord, of, of, of veering off to a, towards a life that is powerless towards a life that is looks godly, that denies your power, Lord. Oh God, we ask that you deliver us, Lord, from a life that seems godly but denies your power. That you deliver us, Lord, from this place of relying on the wisdom of, of, of man and, and even basing our faith upon the wisdom of man, upon fancy words and clever illustrations and all these fancy things, Lord, that we would deliver us from a place of relying and basing our faith on anything but your power unto salvation. We look to you this evening. And as every eye is closed, I want to, if you are here this evening, and maybe you find yourself in a similar place where I was, trying so hard. Maybe you find yourself in a place where there's a, such a weight upon your shoulders because you want to do the right thing. And you're working so hard. That it's, but you don't have an assurance in your heart yet. You're not yet sure of your salvation. And right now you know that, that you need to make right with God. You know that you have a desire to have a relationship with Him. I want to pray with you this evening. I believe the Father is standing with open arms. And He's saying, come to me, my son, my daughter. I've prepared a place for you. Come just as you are. Come with your weakness. Come with your failures. Come with your, your, this weight of sin. And I want to take it off your shoulders. I've already made a way for you. I've already paid the price. 
with every eyes closed, if that's you this evening and you know that you need a Savior, you know that you need to repent of your sin and you need to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you know you have a desire to do that this evening, as every eye is closed, why don't you raise your hand? I would love to pray with you this evening. Is there anybody like that this evening? Even if you have been around church, even if you have had uh, some kind of relationship with Him, but tonight you know you want to draw near to God again. Is there anybody like that this evening? I'd love to pray with you. Hallelujah. Father, and I thank you, Lord, for your heart for every person in this place. Lord, thank you that you, you know each one. I felt specifically when praying before, and there's a couple of specific people that God wants to minister to, and I want to really encourage you to, to respond if, if any of this is relevant to you. I felt that there's, there's somebody that's facing a financial difficulty or some kind of financial crisis or financial pressure, and you have been praying and you have been trusting God, but it's as if nothing is happening. And I feel God is, it's as if you're, you're now considering plan B. You're considering, you know, you're kind of trying to figure out a way to get out of this jam. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel that God is saying that you're starting to rely on the wisdom of man. And he, is he wants to encourage you to keep on trusting in Him. And I'd love to just pray with you about that. Is there anybody like that this evening? I want you to be very bold and come to the front if, if that's relevant to you. Might be more than one person. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And I also felt there's somebody here this evening... <clears throat> Something that somebody is struggling with headaches. Um, somebody that's, oh, I don't know if it's been for long or if it's recent, but somebody has been wrestling with, with severe headaches. Uh, I just feel we need to lay hands on you, pray with you. If you want to be bold and come to the front, really, really like to pray with you. Somebody will lay hands on you. Thanks so much. And I've also felt there's somebody specifically uh, this evening that is wrestling with pain. I think it's the right arm. I'm not completely sure. It could be a joint kind of pain. It could be a wrist or a, an elbow. Um, is anybody with pain in the arm? <clears throat> uh, I just believe we need to trust God. I mean, He hasn't changed His mind about healing. Amen. If that's you, won't you be bold and come to the front? We're going to pray with you. Thanks so much, guys, for responding. And I have some guys to help you pray some facilitators please and then there's specifically <clears throat> I just felt that <clears throat> just in terms of us responding to the word responding to the message this evening that there are <clears throat> sorry that there are some of us here that are convicted that there's to a great extent the power of God is missing from your life. And this is not something to feel ashamed about. It's not something to feel condemned about. But I feel that God wants to meet with you this evening. And I feel that if that's you this evening, and like me, many times 
you're frustrated with some things and it's, you feel there's, there's no power, then I believe that God wants to bring a shift in your heart to a place where you rely and you walk in the fullness of the power of the gospel. We can walk in the fullness of life for which Christ paid. Amen. So that you, as we're going to start ministering now, I want to encourage you to come to the front. And then also, if you're here and you, you feel that you trust in God for that anointing to see the eyes around you open, to see veils lifted, that, that you trust in God for a hunger for souls, the desire to see the eyes around you open. I want to also want you to come to the front. We want to pray with you. Okay. I'm going to close in prayer now. We're going to be praying for people in the front. We're going to be ministering. And we're going to be worshiping. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Please join us for some refreshments. But if you need ministry or just you just want to fellowship a bit, or, or specifically if you need prayer, please come to the Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you that you know each heart here. In the name of Jesus, we, we bring our hearts before you. Thank you that you deliver us from the ways of man. And we thank you, Lord, for the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for resurrection power in and through our lives this evening. We thank you, Lord, for power unto salvation, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for a, an urgency and a passion in our hearts for Jesus and a passion in our hearts for the lost, God, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for a grace for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, for a, a new discernment, Lord, as we position ourselves in the Scriptures, as we seek your face, Lord, as we in, just um, fill ourselves with your word, we pray, Lord, that you would grow in us that discernment to recognize what is of the world, what is the wisdom of man, and what is the power of God in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word that divides, that cuts, that divides between soul and spirit. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.